All right, let's get into the conversation then. Joining us on the line, Sikele Luadlanga, who is a political communication analyst. Sikele good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Good morning, good morning, Kathy. How are you this morning? And good morning to all the beautiful, beautiful South Africans. I'm doing well, thank you. Makudu Sifara is the Sunday Times deputy editor. Makudu, good morning. Uh, good morning, and thank you for having me. And good morning to your to your listeners. One of the things that we observe, especially over campaigning season, and perhaps what we've seen in um, you know the last couple of months, and we'll probably begin to see more of is the rhetoric that is made on the campaign trail by political leaders. So there are statements that are said, often not verified, often statements that are there to uh, provoke some kind of reaction from whoever may be listening at the time. Sigelelua, when we are listening to political party leaders, right, how should we be processing some of the messages that they give us? Because one can hear that some statements are not necessarily a promise, they're not necessarily a commitment, but that people are just saying what they believe, those that are listening, want to hear. Well, um, thank you again, Kathy. The, the nature of campaigning, um, as um, I, I, you know, that's, that's, that's what I do, I I, I talk about, you know, how the how to get voters. You know, everybody wants voters at the end of the day. You know, so I'm going to be speaking from that perspective. So people want to appeal to people's emotions, um, and they use shortcuts um, to see what are people going to respond to, and they sell that point. And a lot of people, unfortunately, do not do the research. Um, a lot of uh, voters are generally lazy. They, they, you, so you cannot co- communicate with general voters in a manner that will, um, you know, that, that will cause them to think too hard, because generally most voters don't read a lot. They don't think um, too deeply about issues. They, they're thinking about their daily lives, and and whatever is popping up is what matters to them. Um, and, and then of course you've got your sophisticated voters who read a lot more, who think, you know about issues and compare um, between various parties. Um, but And so th- that's how it becomes dangerous because when you use shortcuts, you are you're literally just trying to, to get an emotion and people need an emotional reaction in order to get voters to, to, to connect with them. And then you have other people who fall out of the way and, and like other parties that people ignore because they're not speaking to them in a way that gets an emotional reaction. For example, you have uh, a, a Judith Malema going up, uh, you know, that platform that was kind of, you know, like a concert, <laughs> if you will, um, that appeals to a lot of younger voters and pop culture. Um, so, and they got a lot of emotional reaction out of it and, and the social me- media reaction out of it. And that's really what he was appealing to. Um, but of course, it becomes dangerous when you have politicians who say dangerous things um, that do resonate with people where they give easy solutions. For example, you know, I mean, right now, in the last hour, you've, get, you've had somebody like Jason McKenzie, um, who's really threatening Zimbabwe in particular. Um, 
not to say that the, 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 the immigration or illegal immigration is not an issue, but now it becomes weaponized where people's grievances then become weaponized. It's very, very dangerous. Um, and, and of course, you know, you, you also have, um, you know, the, the, you know, tribalism. There's a lot of tribalism that's manifesting um, in, in various ways, you know, whether it's the Cape independence people, you know, you can call it racism, but it's really another form of, of tribalism. You have uh, uh who's really threatened people uh, who are not Zulu uh, when he was uh, uh, breaking away from Judith Malema. So the shortcuts are really, really, really dangerous because they're not speaking about how to practically solve the problems of South Africa, but it's appealing to, to, to people's emotions. Um, and then you have more reasonable kind of people, uh, you know, who, who speak to reason more, like the ATM, uh, you know, who kind of falls down, you know, out of the way. You don't hear any 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 radical thinking coming from him. So, um, yes, I, that's, that's where I'll stop for now. So, Sikela, do you genuinely believe that most voters, as you have described it, are lazy and that they don't think too deeply? Well, I do think that they think deeply about their actual lives, but I'm, I, when I, I, the, the thinking deeply is in going out to investigate what are the political parties saying? Um, you know, what are their manifestos? What have they written? What, you know, what is the constitution? Um, so that's, that's, they, they connect with what they already know sometimes. For example, if you, if you talk to regular people, you know, they're not talking about the new parties on, in the streets. They're talking about somebody like the, the NK party. You know, that's the, the, the new thing that they, that's come to them. And that's very new, you know, uh, but that's quite prominent in the streets. That, that's kind of generating a lot of conversation. So I'm saying that a lot of um, that there's a lot of uh, information that doesn't get to the voters, that important information um, that requires a lot more investigation. That generally, you know, this is like across the world. It's not it's not a South African thing. Voters are known to connect. You you have to connect with voters emotionally, and so politicians use uh, lazy statements that no will provoke an emotion that will last. Um, that will get them to connect with what they want to say, regardless um, of of really whether they are going to implement um, actual policies that are going to change people's lives. Okay. Makudu, le- 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 let me bring you in here and perhaps just get your view. Of course, as a Sunday Times deputy editor, part of the work that you have to do is always ensuring that you're verifying, you're checking the credentials of some of the statements that are being made before you even publish. What are some of the things that you've been observing? No, maybe maybe to, to start at the beginning, uh, I think let's call it state of state. So a lot of people are indeed lazy as as you asked. So a lot of people don't actually read the full party manifestos of the political parties that they vote for. But what is required is not only that they must read the full party manifestos 
of the parties that they are going to vote for, but that to do a comparison of sorts, um, as, as has already indicated, uh, with the other parties and see what is being put on the table and so therefore what resonates with them. But, uh, but political parties, of course, know that uh, that is the case, which is why they'll come to you, Kathy. Um, you know, they'll come to, uh, you know, uh, Times Live, which I edit, and they'll, they'll go to TV stations there by the SABC and say, please carry this line, because for them, that's the best shot. That's, that's the, the biggest opportunity they have to sell what is in their manifestos, which are going to be read by a few people. But where people say the EFF manifesto says, for example, they're going to refer to what Julius Malema as the party leader said at the, at the uh, manifesto launch. There will be, of course, a, 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 you know, a, an enlightened few uh, who will go about the exercise that, uh, that the Figalela uh, uh, just, has just explained and, and read, read, and analyze. But in the main, my, my own view is that voting isn't that much of a scientific exercise. It, it remains, I mean, it's, it's, it's moving from, from being an emotional exercise, which I think it is now, um, to being, you know, that scientific um, or towards that scientific process that it ought to be. Um, but a lot of people still, you know, uh, vote on the basis of what they feel. They listen to, to their guts and they they look at history and all manner of things, which is why the clip that you played is really very important, which uh, the, the last clip that I, that I had about Julius Malema talking about the emblems and all manner of things. What he's trying to do there is to say to people, look, uh, we have a history as a people. This is um, a very painful history. This is where, um, and then he mentioned the figures. This is where these political figures, these are the people who came up with this thing. And because it is them, it must be rejected. And because uh, this history that is painful, uh, that is associated with these people, is being embraced somewhat by the current leadership uh, of the ANC and uh, and also the DA. We, as the people who are um, pursuing real, uh, I wanted to say real politics, but but you know militant uh, uh, politics of change, um, we ought to reject this. And so and so, what he's what he's doing is to appeal to people's emotions. He's doing a sales pitch um, uh, because he knows and understands that this is a, this voting remains an emotional thing, um, and um, uh, and he knows that even where he doesn't get certain things factually right, uh, people will still will still forgive because his his aim is not really, and and I'm not really picking on Julius, but I'm just saying at the general level, uh, politicians' aims are not really to be. To be sexual, but they are they're really to to appeal. I mean, we've seen <laughs> President Cyril Ramaphosa, for example, going to to Alexander and promising a million uh, houses and, and so on and so on. But if you look at uh, the 
the geographic space in 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 Alex, you know that this is this is not possible. Um, you know, to revert to uh, your your question to me, there's there's quite a lot of things that politicians say to voters in order to appeal, in order to position themselves as the people who will bring about the change that is that is required in our country, um, and many of them say these things without doing even a you know minor research about what's possible the to just give one other example the secretary general of the AFC Sigilem Balula uh, said to us in December load sharing is going to end but just before this call um uh, in my area lights went off <laughs> and your producers were struggling to get hold of me because I could hear them they couldn't hear me and you know, certain things needed to happen for for the line to connect, and eventually, uh, I, but the question. All right, Makudu, Makudu. Unfortunately, we seem to have just lost um, that connection to you. We'll have to work on bringing you back up on the line so that we can hear you a lot more clearly. And the conversation, really, that we're having is around the political rhetoric that um, political party leaders have been spewing as they are on the campaign trail, and how we then should be interpreting part of what is being said how much attention are we paying in fact to what is being said or do we just simply brush it off when we hear that a statement is being made we know that it sounds like it is a false statement how bothered are we by that or are we letting are we willing to just let it slide is part of the conversation it's 10 30 time for the latest news headlines i'm back with more after this the Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on The Talking Point. We're looking at political rhetoric on the campaign trail. How attentive are we um, to what political party leaders are saying? And uh, our guests for this morning are Sigele Luadlanga, who is a, commun- a political communication analyst, and Makudu Sefara, who is the Sunday Times deputy editor. One of the, the questions I think that will also be important to look at is, the extent to which members of political parties hold their leaders accountable for the comments that they make, whether or not they deliver on even some of the commitments that they make and when they change their mind um, about some of those things that they have said, whether change their mind or whether we describe it as flip-flopping, we certainly see that a lot across the political spectrum. But do those people that are members of parties, do they actually care about the flip the flip-flopping? Sigelelwa? Uh, thank you, Kathy. Um, well, I mean, are you talking about actual members or voters? Well, well, I think actual members, because because often when you see um, if leader of party X has made a turnabout on a p- particular statement, often we'll have that make headlines, right? But coming out in defense of this leader, 
will be the members of the organization that want to convince the rest of the public that no, but, you know, it's either being taken out of context. He didn't mean it this way. Um, you are all being unfair to our leader. Um, yes, I mean, I we've seen this quite a lot, but I think recently, I mean, we've, we've, we've seen, uh, I think, with the ANC, <laughs> a public uh, a disagreement in some ways um, between um, the Secretary General's statements on the Ganja situation, <laughs> and the, 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 the fire pool, the famous fire pool, um, or infamous. And... Um, yeah, and so I think that's one of the rare incidences where you see that you know there's some disagreement, um, uh, uh, you know, where they they're not. I don't know if, if they're holding one another accountable. I can't say that we don't see that. We don't see accountability. I think a lot of political parties generally defend the position, um, whether it's, it's it's right or wrong, um, and they will die on that hill. And I think also, though, it's, it's, it's indicative of us as a society. We don't have a, a, a strong culture of accountability um, with our democracy. We just don't have a very strong culture of accountability. People promise things and they don't, and they don't do them. And I personally feel that it's also because as a society, individually, uh, we kind of live lives where we don't, uh, regard accountability that much because we don't demand it. And I think if we demanded accountability in every level, I think, you know, with politics, people wouldn't just say whatever they want to say and get away with it, you know. Um, I think when we saw the UK changing uh, prime ministers every two days, because uh, I'm exaggerating, um, I think that in some ways is as hilarious as, as it seemed, and we made a joke about it, but at least they, it, it appears, you know, that at least they, they, there was a sense of urgency among themselves um, to want change, um, where, the, where the leadership is somewhat more accountable. And in South Africa, it doesn't seem that way. A lot of leaders get away with everything, and that's within the party. Um, in, you know, uh, they don't hold they don't hold leaders accountable because you know. If, if we hear something has happened, you know, whether it's Palapala or Gandla or, uh, you know, something that, you know, the EFF said, you don't see anyone within the party challenging the position. Um, or we might have seen a little bit of that uh, within within the ANC with uh, Minister Linda Sulu and Gosazana Zuma in Parliament. Um, so, but you, you don't really see that. You don't see that that level of 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 holding the leader accountable. No, I'll say. All right, Th- those are interesting observations from you, Sikelola. Just the idea of 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 general accountabilities. Do you think that people apply different standards then, when it comes to accountability at a a, a personal level, so what happens in their private space versus what happens in the public space? Well, I mean, to be honest, I, I feel that the level of our crime, it just shows that we are not a society that highly regards accountability or demands it. Um, and so, 
I'll make an example and say maybe if somebody sees somebody doing something wrong, they, they don't really report it, do they? You know, and you'll see sometimes, even on social media, there was a young couple um, that got away. I, I think they they had, uh, you know, gotten, stole some millions um, somewhere in Gauteng, and, and now they were on the run, you know, and, and, and the, the crime unit was reporting it that if you see this couple, they stole so much money, and everybody was like, great, what a, you know, a couple goals. Everybody was cheering them on. And and part of the reason, though, was that they were saying that the leaders, it's because the leaders get away with a lot more. Um, the, that the leaders of the country, they get away with corruption. And so they kind of felt like this person got their stash. And one person even said, oh, they even, I, I, I met them at the garage and they gave me some money. <laughs> and so you it just seems to me that as a culture, of course, it, it starts with our leaders. Um, that if our leaders model our credibility and the standard, it will filter through. Um, and so we can't have that. Whether you have the cops, you know, people paying, um, you know, in the street, um, trying to bribe um, the traffic officer, it, it happens, you know, where people just try to cut corners. Those are individuals, those are South Africans, and, you know, whether it's at the border, you know, of, of our country where where we have reports about, um, you know, people who are, who pay, you know, someone just telling me that they did a letter somebody going to, uh, from Swaziland to South Africa, and that they just need to give the soldiers 50 rand to go, to go to, you know. So it's really, really a problem on a, on a, on a, on a, Small scale, right up to the big, you know, to 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 the top. Okay. Um, with there's just no measures for accountability. Okay. All right, Makudu. Um, what 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 what's your take on that? Are we, as Gelola saying, not really good at holding people accountable? Yeah, I don't know. We we are not. We we kind of try, but. But there isn't a concerted effort. So, so, but but it starts at the top, down to the traffic officer that Tigela was talking about. So maybe to start with the the latter, uh, we we've just had a lot of um, accidents and reports about what was happening on the road as people went for uh, end of year holidays, etc. And over the years, we've talked about you know, arrive alive and and that people shouldn't pay that fifty rand, hundred rand bribe to traffic officers, etc. But it has been happening for years, even ahead of this festive period, we knew it was going to happen. But there isn't much that has been done to make sure that, you know, people don't get away with murder as it were. Because that fifty rand or hundred rand may look like it's not a serious thing in the bigger scheme of things. But if you let that car move through with somebody who doesn't have a driver's license or, you know, uh, with a car that's not fit to be on the road, you know, down the road, it actually kills somebody and, and it contributes to to the to the murder and, and mayhem we've seen on our roads. Um, and, and so there isn't much that's been done to make sure that that happens. But but also if you if you look at government in general, we have Auditor General's reports 
year after year that say the same things about people not following procedures and, and you know, wasteful expenditure, this, that, and the other. How many of those people get held accountable? Very little. At a political level, it's the same thing. People go on, say things that they contradict later. Those who are within, who are supposed to hold them accountable in, in the National Executive Committee meetings and provincial, this, that, and the other, don't, don't do that because they too understand that they are part of the same program to manage us, the outsiders, the ordinary people, the voting forder, um, you know, to just make sure that we, we understand their message uh, to the extent that uh, the, the, the messaging becomes problematic. Then you'll see now and again um, uh, the, the, the national chairperson of the ANC and the secretary general of the ANC disagree publicly but 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 it's a drop in the ocean i mean if you look at the at, at the eff you're not going to see much of that because they will deal with you internally if you look at the da for example you had um what's his name uh, kachalia who disagreed uh, slightly with, with uh, not slightly disagreed with them on the stance with the da leadership on the stance taken on around the gaza conflict and then they dealt with him very quickly, you know, um, get out of here, etc. Um, so, so, I mean, at the general level, I think that we we talk about the importance of this, holding our leaders accountable, making sure that people say what they mean and that they do what they promise they will do, but very little of that happens. So right. in the media, we will then say, Let's do columns. Let's do editorials about this. You know, but that's that's uh, that's as much as we can do about it. Okay, all right. Let me go to the phone lines. Um, let me begin in. Let me begin with Dumile. Dumile, good morning. Uh, good morning, and good morning to your panelists. Mm. Uh, I wanted to say, you know, I think the main problem that we have to face, and I think I would like to direct this specifically to us as black people, because sometimes we lose. In stuff. You know, we have to have that in the main, as black people, the black race in this country and in the continent, we have the main problems that we have. Yes, we, 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 we cohabitate the space with white people, but leave them aside. But the main problem is, is us. If you look at most of the, you see, when you wake up in front of that, uh, like Wumtak, like where you live within field, chances are of you thinking clearly and about a lot of things are very slim, you know, are very, very slim. If you look at during COVID, you know, we told people that these money that government growing at the IMF, they are nonsensical. We shouldn't be doing that. Because first of all, we are borrowing money from the IMF, which is getting their money from the US, which is printing this money, but we're allowed to print it. But then people couldn't think about that. Just that they get excited about 350. You see, the problem is that, you know, when as a people, you don't have a founding philosophy that guides you and becomes your backbone, like something like black consciousness that Steve Bigo was leading us to. This is what you you, you end up with. You we live, you, we live with bits and pieces of that policy and that policy without it being aligned to the main core of what you want to achieve. <laughs> if you look, for instance, at the United Negro Improvement Association of Makaskazi, what it did when it got to the States in the early 1900s, the change managed to achieve within a short space of time. The same as uh, Thomas Sankara, you know, 
when you change Niger Delta from upper Volta to the land of the upright man, meaning Burkina Faso, that was a consciousness-changing decision, and that meant a lot of change for people within the <laughs> You know your sibling, you know this guy doesn't want Dumile, unfortunately, we're losing you. We're losing you on the line there. Um, uh, Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. That connection isn't great. Let me try Tabo in in Grunstadt. Apologies, Dumile. Tabo, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Chessie. Thanks very much. Chessie, two issues. One, I don't think your guest is crediting the voters enough to the extent that I think uh, she is undermining. I mean, to say that the voters are not actually, are not actually doing a deep thinking and are not reading political parties' uh, manifestos before they can make a determination on political parties, I don't think that is fair. I mean, there are various platforms that the, political, the voters are able to get information and assess the capacity of various political parties, not only to read manifestos. There's a lot of information that comes through TV when there are uh, debates. On, there's a lot of information on social media that comes through that one can use to arrive at the determination that I am going to vote for this particular political party. Secondly, the robustness of our democracy in South Africa, I think it's open for everyone to see. Balula made a statement recently, and he was held accountable, he had to explain himself. And uh, the example that he cited about Palapala in the ANC, I think the ANC democracy is very robust, unlike other political parties. Maybe it's, uh, the, the gentleman actually cited uh, about DA, that if we can say anything different from what the political party has said, you are going to be dealt with, with even the EFS, but with the ANC. If you can check now, even the, the recent split led by Jacob Zuma, it is as a result of this contradiction that are happening within the political party. And that is the kind of democracy that I'm speaking about, that to say, to say that uh, there's no robustness. We've seen our political parties, even South Africa, I don't, I don't agree. Yes. In UK, there may be uh, prime ministers uh, resigning, but here it's a bit different. But if a person has got a very a different thing to say, that why should uh, President Ramaphosa uh, resign? When the, there's not even a single report that has said President Ramaphosa uh, was actually wrong, except that one of Section 89 of, in Parliament, which was also rejected by, uh, by the national parliament. That's why I think we may be having different in terms of how we think uh, the degree of our uh, democracy is, but I don't think uh, uh, our democracy is, is, I think that our democracy is very much robust. Uh, that is what I wanted to make input on. Yeah, all right. I think I think it's an, it's, it's an important point to make, right, that at the end of the day, even though we might not necessarily be fully f- satisfied with the way in which people choose to exercise um, the the political expression, including whether or not they participate in elections, does not necessarily mean that they have not thought deeply about that decision in and of itself. Eddie, you're in Cape Town. Good morning. Just quickly, um, the, the first thing for me is, um, I don't know how old your panel is, there used to be a guy who was a premier of Malanga, Ndaweni Masang. Yeah, he came out and he said, well, politicians lie. So I, I just want to dispel the fact that what the politicians are saying is rhetoric. They know exactly what they mean. They mean what they're saying. Then let's, let's get that out of their way. The second thing is, as a population, 
expecting high moral ground from our politicians than what the society we live in is like. I think your panel has touched on that. For example, if you ask anyone in your studio there if they ever have a um, ticket, they will tell you I'm the best driver out there. And you ask them, so who's making these accidents and killing people there if all of us are saying... So it boils down to the decency that we we as a society are. And finally, um, the, the bar is very low. Let's be honest about our, politi- our politics. Where you have a hundred councillors or whoever who can't write or read. So those people are career politicians, which is why we find that they are killing, they are all of these things happening, because that person is not employable outside politics. From age 19, they are in politics. They have never done a decent work out there. So basically, we have politicians who come and lie to us, and they know they're lying, and they know we are not going to hold them to account. And finally, um, I mean, in my field, uh, when I said, we have a, a, a saying that says, if you are going to be a shareholder and you buy shares, there's an expectation that you have a little bit of finance in you and you can understand financial statements. So our electorate, I would love to believe that when we go to the ballot box, we have a clear mind what exactly we want. I don't think we are influenced by politics of what they are saying when they go around doing house to house and kissing mm. kids and kissing old women and all of that. I don't think that sways us. I think we know exactly, but everyone wants to eat. Everyone is looking out for themselves as humans are. What is in it for me? Thanks, Esther. Okay, all right. Th- th- thanks for those views, Eddie, uh, out in Cape Town. Khotso, you're in Midrand. Good morning. Hi, morning, uh, Sister uh, Keke. Yes. Uh, to your guest, then. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the previous quarter has already covered a lot of things which I was about to take on. Look, uh, number one, let me reiterate again, the bias went low. And the bar, all of us, we are away. There's this thing which I want all your, your guests to be aware of. South Africans are, are, are no longer that naive as they would think. That people that don't read or some went to school, didn't went to school. The manner in which the ANC has abused the South African citizen is quite appalling. You know it, guys, there in the media. West now, currently, the current regime of Ramaphosa was even, was even having accomplished, which I will even cite now, the media in particular, and the judiciary were part of this mess which we are seeing as we are speaking today. So there's no way in which a person, which political or not, who was affected, cannot say uh, the ANC uh, has failed. We, all of us were aware that the ANC has failed. Coming to the issue of the manifesto, the manifesto, everyone can see. The debates are there on a daily basis. The blunders which are happening on a daily basis. People experience it. It's not a question of saying that we have read or didn't read. It's not a question of saying that uh, you went to school or didn't went to school. It's a question of saying when you are sitting, what is the issues which are on a daily basis affecting you? Whether you are in a rural, whether I'm in an urban area, it will affect me. Whether you're in business, or whether we are not in business, you know that the ANC is free. But we're having editors who are sitting there uh, masquerading as if uh, people are not knowing what's happening there. People are knowing, unless they themselves, they are, they are very naive 
to an extent to think that South Africans have not been abused by this corrupt agency. Thank you. All right, Khotso, thanks for that view. Yeah, so I think that will sum up the contributions from our listeners. Sikelelua, let me give you the first opportunity to respond to uh, some of the issues raised by our listeners. We're running out of time, so you've got uh, two minutes. Yes, I mean, I, I didn't say the voters of Cupid. I said lazy. And what I mean by that, nobody's taking the uh, the political party that they have um, you know, voted for and taken the manifesto and then go back to hold them accountable for what they've said. Um, because a lot of people rely on the rhetoric that politi- that is feed by politicians, which is meant to evoke emotions to connect with people. So it doesn't mean that, I didn't say that they skip it. So I just want to clarify that, that the, the laziness that I'm talking about as a general voter isn't going and taking the full manifesto and saying, has the political party fulfilled these things and and then uh, holding them accountable or knowing everything that they stand for. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, Sikelelua. Thanks for that. Makudu? Yeah. Well, firstly, I want to agree with the caller who says that the bar is very low. So, you know, if you look at our politics, it's, it's quite clear the people that we are putting forward to lead us um, you know, over half of them shouldn't even be there. And uh, they raise their hands and they get voted for because that bar is actually really very low to our detriment. But someone else um, on the continent, um, I think it's a Kenyan scholar who said that uh, the reason Africa remains where, where it is is because we are we are voting for for people we should not be voting for, we're voting for, for wrong people. And and, 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 and and that talks to the thing about the bar being very low. And the thing about people who can't read or write, uh, but who must assess uh, how municipalities are spending or not spending their budget, and, and so therefore impacting service delivery, that's also a problem. But, but I also maintain that the predicate for decision-making in relation to who to vote for and who not to vote for uh, remains very much an emotional decision than a decision based on intellectual rigor and research and engagement. Uh, that's not to say that there's no discussion, there's no uh, on-the-surface type of engagement about what is contained in this uh, manifesto versus the other. But it is to say at a, at a larger level, uh, many people and aren't engaging with the detail um, to the extent that is required, but that uh, many will move from the premise, for example, that says, as black people, you know, um, we should not be doing X, Y, Z. We should not be having a, a white president at the union buildings. TS is too early. There's, there's a lot of emotions invested in how we take those decisions. I think I've just run out of time there. All right. Okay. Th- thank you for that contribution, Makudu. Uh, that is Makudu Sifara, the Sunday Times deputy editor, and Zikelo Latlanga, um, who is a political communication analyst. Look, I suppose um, th- the other thing that we also need to reflect on is the fact that even despite um, what we know to be rhetoric um, that will often be made, 
It doesn't mean it makes less headlines. It doesn't mean people talk about it any less. So if we keep rewarding then this kind of talk, can we reasonably expect that it will end? Because we keep rewarding it by talking about it, by giving it airtime. And so the vicious cycle then continues. It's 11 o'clock. It's time for the latest news update.